everyone. Welcome to Real Talk NFT Podcast. This is actually the first recording ever of my podcast. I have a special guest on for you today, Martin Hugh. And for those of you who don't know me, my name is Joe Chu. I am the host of Real Talk NFT Podcast, where we talk all things NFT, breaking news, interview project founders, and all interesting things on Web3. And Martin has a long resume, which I will probably read off and have him introduce himself. But Martin, wow, we connected on social media. You put a tweet out there that was kind of like a, uh, I wouldn't say a Tinder profile dating a cop, but you're like, hey, anyone with a Moonbirds, Five Fish Cub or V Friends, let's connect. And I'm like, hey, that's me. I have two of those. <laughs> so that was super, super cool. And we actually um, connect offline and so glad that you're here. But um, for those of you who don't know you, you have you wear many hats. So you are the founder of Mars Media Marketing Agency. You're starting an NFT speakeasy in Montreal, Canada called Maya Club. You're a restaurateur. You open a, a snack bar. Is it a restaurant or a snack bar in uh, Montreal already? Yeah, so it's a Japanese snack bar. It's Japanese and I can't pronounce it correctly. So can you help me pronounce it? Uh, yeah, it's it's basically we, we kept the French name of the previous place, which was a souvenir shop. So basically it's called Fleur et Cadeau, which translates into uh, flowers and gifts. Flowers and gifts. Okay. Thankfully you pronounced it because I would completely <laughs> butchered it. Not only that, you have a YouTube channel, you have a, a another marketing agency, I think, an influencer uh, agency with over 300,000 followers on Instagram. And you also um, have a podcast yourself that talks all things Web3. So yeah, I, I, I did a, just a brief overview. What, but how about you tell us about, you know, the audience about yourself? Um, you, how did you get into NFTs? How did you, you wear so many hats. So just kind of tell us about yourself and how you got into NFTs. Yeah, sure. And thanks for having me. Thanks for the intro. I, um, I appreciate it. And I'm humbled to be the first guest on the show. <laughs> so uh, cheers for that. And of course, I'll, I'll kick things off with like um, a little spiel about myself, uh, about how I got into marketing in the first place. So I studied graphic design in school, was always like in kind of like an artistic mind. I loved drawing, anything art, like photography. And um, being in graphic design school, I realized that I learned way better by doing it myself. So what happened is that on the side, um, I think this was about like nine years ago, I, I was already doing photography and everything. And, and one of my, my older brothers, like 10 years older than me, so he, he knew all these business owners that already had businesses and, and mostly like restaurants and bars. And at that time, I don't know if you remember this, if it was the same thing where you live, maybe it's in, you live in the States or... Yeah, I live in San, near San Francisco, yes. Okay, so probably the same, but but you guys were a bit more advanced. But here in Montreal, Canada, like there, there weren't a lot of businesses that actually were on Facebook or Instagram to, to promote their business. It, it wasn't like standard practice for a restaurant to be on Facebook and posting every day. People thought that this was more for, you know, making some sort of profile and adding friends and just like keeping in touch with each other. So by then I, I was already deeply uh, into marketing by reading books from, you know, obviously Tim Ferriss, uh, Gary Vee. And uh, I just saw this kind of trend coming up, which was, you know, and most, most of all, like it was a white space that I could fill up, which was to create content for these small businesses. So I started doing uh, photography and videography for these places. And at first I did it for free. So, you know, it was just like, hey, I'll do a couple of photos for you and, you know, I'll get a meal for free here and there. And eventually, like with 
with any business, if you do a great job, people start talking about it. And it came to the point that, you know, I could just couldn't do it for free anymore because so many people were asking. So I started charging and all the meanwhile, I was still in school. So I did these two things in parallel, in tandem, if you will. And uh, eventually I had to decide to uh, either, you, you know, go into business full time or continue the studies. So I decided to drop out of school and uh, focus wholly on my uh, marketing agency. And from there, I, I grew the business. Uh, you know, and now it's, it's been uh, it's eight years now that the business is running and we have uh, five people on the team. And we're doing, you know, it's, it's still a niche uh, boutique kind of marketing agency, but we're working with hotels, restaurants, bars and clubs. And uh, that's how I got into the whole ecosystem of hospitality, if you will. And um, w- my first place that I opened, which was a Japanese snack bar you couldn't pronounce the name of, um, that kind of came very ser- like in a serendipity, serendipitous kind of way where my client, where we already work with at the marketing agency for a couple of his, his accounts, he said, hey, I'm opening this new spot and I know that you're obviously going to do marketing for it, so you want to invest in it. And so that's how the, I guess, the whole hospitality side of me uh, came together and and how I became a a restaurant owner as well. And then, you know, fast forward to uh, maybe like two years ago, when the pandemic first hit, I guess that's when every, each and every one of us had more time on their hands. Mm -hmm. And um, I was still consuming a lot of that content from Gary Vee. And he, he was the first person to really talk about NFTs in, in a, in a more global scale. And, and actually try to explain it because before that I have only heard about it, but you know, I wasn't too sure for me. It was like more pictures of, of like, you know, these pixelated characters. And I was like, what, what is that about? And, and you know, you just thought about it surface layer. You didn't see the, the real utility behind NFTs. And when he first started talking about it, I was like, okay, this makes a lot of sense. Um, let me dive into this and let me actually like, try to see what he's up to with his project because he, he, he was launching his own uh, NFT collection V friends. And, uh, as a consumer of, of his content for like, you know, almost 10 years, I was like, this is the only way for me to give back to him in some way. So let me get, you know, his, his NFT, let me try to buy some Ethereum and, and mint the NFT. And it was, um, it was quite a challenge, should I say, because, <laughs> um, back here we, it wasn't, uh, in Canada, it wasn't that easy to get uh, Ethereum. You know, if mm. if you wanted to buy something like uh, something on Coinbase, here the banks actually flagged Coinbase as like a cryptocurrency kind of, uh, how, how should I call it, like, like an exchange. Mm-hmm. So uh, they, they didn't like any transaction go through. So we I need to figure out to use Binance, but peer to peer. And uh, yeah, it was just a whole process of onboarding. And then over the years, uh, you know, VFriends, and then I got into a Proof Collective, and got it to Moonbirds, and you know, here we are today. And and uh, I guess like I've I've made it my full time thing almost. Yeah, I'm quite curious because I've dived down that rabbit hole, same as you. How many collections we have that are similar? <laughs> because I kind of <laughs> went down that same path with V Friends, and how we connected was I saw your podcast with Five Fly Fish Club. And for the listeners who don't know, Fly Fish Club is another Gary V venture where he's the chair, and it's the NFT only. Uh, I'm sorry, not NFT only, but it's a NFT token gated dining experience um, that they just broke ground on. So that was something that maybe sparked your your creativity to start your own NFT. And tell us about that. So you went from 
being a collector now, owning a um, agency, a creative agency to a restaurateur to now you want to kind of bridge the two. So tell us about how that decision came about. And I'll probably have a bunch more questions about that. Yeah, obviously, uh, you nailed it. Uh, you put the nail on the head. You know, I, I think Fly Fish Club really gave a lot of us the inspiration to start our own things because, you know, prior to Fly Fish Club, I think we didn't see the real world utility of NFTs. I think it was one of the first projects where I was like, wow, okay, this this can be implemented into an everyday life kind of thing. And um, once I saw that what they did with Fly Fish, I was like, well, there's no reason why we couldn't implement that with our next project. It just makes sense because at the end of the day, what I thought about was that regardless of how many times you go to a restaurant or how many times you go to a hotel, you don't necessarily own anything of that place. You're just considered like a valuable customer and you'll be treated differently. Now, what I liked about the concept of NFTs is that you might not be a shareholder per se, but you still have a vested interest in the place performing well because you do hold an asset that gives you access to that private members club or whichever it will be in the future. Maybe it won't be like, because obviously not every restaurant is going to be a private members club, but to own a token that is associated with the brand, I think uh, aligns a lot of incentives there. And and I did I did see a parallel between the hospitality side of myself, where you know I love connecting with people, I love going out, I love having these peak experiences by eating great food and you know drinking great cocktails. I saw the potential of pairing that with everything that was technology and marketing. Because to me, NFTs is not only uh, a tool for, you know, for bettering our lives in, in many different facets, whether it's like a proof of ownership or, or you know, anything, anything more than that. But it's also the idea that you can, you can be part of a tribe in a sense, and you can co- communicate what you're about without necessarily like doing 10,000 posts about it. Like the, the, the thing that really clicked in my head is when I went to these conferences, like NFT NYC or VCon, and I saw a group of thousands of people all being together and all sharing, a, a, you know, a similar interest in a way. We didn't have to screen anyone. We just feel, felt like, hey, if you're here, in some way, I'm going to connect with you. And it's mm-hmm. the same thing, you know, we're, we're in Flyfish Club. And in some capacity, there's already a filtering that happened that we know that Maybe we, we won't agree with 100% of the things that we, we talk about, but in some ways we'll have a lot of connecting tissue already just by being part of that club. So to me, it's a, NFTs are a power, powerful marketing tool that uh, allows for better communication and better community building, which uh, ties into the restaurant side of things. Absolutely. I already felt some synergy with a lot of individuals that I met in Web3 without even seeing their face, maybe just the avatar. And then when you finally see the face, it's just, you know, absolutely just a, another layer of a, just curiosity of what other interests that we might have in common. But immediately, like you said, there's a, a connection already. And I find that really, really a, as a positive in the NFT space where I would not connect with an individual across the globe like you are in Montreal right now and I'm in San Francisco, I would have never met you had it not 100%. been for Web3. So that's something that I really like. I really enjoy. That's kind of my models in life is to just really live life meaningfully through um, experiences, uh, specifically experiences with other people. And with you creating a speakeasy, that's another, uh, I wouldn't say Web2, it's a physical presence uh, for people to connect. And you mentioned a lot of the friction of onboarding, 
So how are you seeing that or how are you fixing that if you are uh, with the launch of your your restaurant? I'm sorry, your speakeasy. Um, yeah, tell us details about that. Is that how's it going? Are you in the beginning stages? Is it coming 2023? Uh, anything that you want to tell us who, listeners? Yeah, so obviously, I mean, you, you being this, in the space, you understand how complicated all these platforms are. Like Discord is a hell to deal with. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, you know, like setting up a wallet and, and buying ETH and like sending ETH to the wallet and minting stuff. I mean, you know, for people that have been in the space for like a year or two years, it's it seems very common and, and all, like simple in a sense, but it's really not. You know, if mm-hmm. you... If I talk to, you know, even my brother that is very close to me, but he never got into NFTs, he still see, you know, you still see a lot of pushback against that because, you know, it's like in their heads, they're trying to wrap their head around why is that thing so complicated and mm-hmm. how, you know, what does it even mean that I get Ethereum on a on a digital wallet that, you know, for some reason is stored on the blockchain. So there's a lot of things that we still need to um you know, iron out the details and, and make it easier for people to digest the mainstream society to digest. And, and, uh, one of those things is, is actually making it easier for the people to be able to buy NFTs. Now, one of the, the core aspects of, of minting that we focused on with, uh, with Maya, our members club. So, uh, my, basically like it's, we, we will have a speakeasy location, but at the end of the day, it is a members club. So, it is not just the speakeasy itself. Like members will have um, access to like a wide variety of, of experiences all over the world. But uh, you're right. The the most important aspect of it too, uh, a big aspect of it is that we're opening a speakeasy that will only be members only. So coming back to my point about minting, the, the way that we want to onboard a lot of people is to make the minting as simple as possible. So obviously like minted with credit card, we're mm-hmm. using CrossMint to do that, and um, and basically the first the first uh, step of our sale, which we call the pre-sale, we're actually reaching out to local people in Montreal, the people we've gotten to know in the hospitality industry for the past six seven years. Uh, we're reaching out to them, and we we are offering them to uh, to get on board and to be the first to mint the NFTs. And for them, you know. At the end of the day, like right now, it's it's going very well because we just have to sell them the concept of making a members club own members club in Montreal. There's not any members club yet uh, in Montreal, so that is already a novel thing. Now, the NFT aspect is another novel thing that a lot of people don't understand, but they do see the appeal of being, you know, the first NF, you know, NFT speakeasy in in Canada or in Montreal. And uh, so, so on that sense, it's it's been it's been manageable. Now, will it be easier in the future? I, I certainly hope so, but it it does uh, it does help a lot to to have the option of minting with credit card. So that's how we're approaching it. Good. That's credit cards get to hear because onboarding through crypto, even with the peg of crypto, is fluctuates massively. They you, they they can be promised a price in crypto, right? And then something happens like last week, which no one could pre- yeah. could have been prepared for and their their membership costs might might differ from someone else getting in a week later and that could cause like disgruntled you know and consumers so there's a there's a spectrum of just uh, uh in crypto it doesn't really it, it's hard to grasp onboarding through crypto because it's such so volatile so mm. to hear you do do credit card uh, and probably m- maybe one day exit you know um through credit card would be a, a great platform for you know your users can you educate 
the listeners uh, about the speakeasy industry. Uh, and, and the reason I bring this up is because out of nowhere, just two days ago, I'm a big traveler. So I, I followed the blog, you know, the points guy. And then right on the front page, it was like Soho House and how they're looking mm-hmm. for profitability for the first time in 27 years. And how it just struck me. I'm like, wow, I'm interviewing you. I'm also interviewing the Flyfish Club founders tomorrow also. And, and it's cool that I have this question to pose to you first. Is that native to uh, maybe Soho House? Because they were, they were trying to grow so fast. They haven't hit profitability. And maybe uh, it's not you know, native to just you know, um, small restaurateurs. Can you tell us about the industry? Is it something that is... Um, does NFT limit the market or is it expanded? Yeah, tell us about your thoughts on that. I think it expands it in a lot of ways because, you know, the the traditional members club or I think, you know, we should always disasso- disassociate like speakeasy and members club, like see the difference because a mm. lot of people call themselves a speakeasy and they might start out as a speakeasy, but eventually they open up to the whole public, which means they're not really a speakeasy anymore. Right. <laughs> But, but yeah, like in Montreal, we've had so many of these concepts where, you know, it starts out as a speakeasy and then eventually, you know, the pressure to obviously like pay the staff and, and you know, make rent and actually be profitable in some ways uh, pushes you to open it up to the whole public. So I think NFTs in a way, you know, they, they do reinforce that aspect of exclusivity, um, members club, and, and they allow true members club to thrive in the long term because now it's not just you know I'm paying a, a yearly fee and then the moment I stop paying I'm not a member anymore it's an asset that I you know I buy once I mint it or I, I grab it on the secondary market or I rent it uh, we, we also have a renting mechanism but you know it it just it allows for more I guess for more ways of um, of financing the business in a sense, you know, because obviously we're not, we're not waiting on like secondary sales to finance it, but like the renting mechanism will be an extra added, um, an extra added profit that we can use towards like hosting these RL events, uh, secondary sales, same thing. We're not like depending on it, but it's a nice thing to have as a bonus. Now the primary sales, what I do like about them is that it's a way for us to pull the liquidity forward so that we can get the best staff that we need. You know, a lot of times I think in this industry, what's most challenging is not necessarily the, um, you know, it's not necessarily like coming up with a cool concept or, or, or what, like it's just, it's getting the right people to implement that vision and to keep them for a long term. Now, is it possible to do it without NFTs? Sure, it's definitely possible. I think with NFTs, it's just going to create that much more solid foundation community that's going to allow you to thrive in the long term. Now, I'm not like totally, you know, sure about the the business model of Soho House, but it seems like they have done pretty well at expanding. Perhaps the the reason why they weren't profitable, and this is just my my speculation, is maybe they 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 reinvested everything that they've gotten as profit to open up new places and to to grow the the, the network of of clubs that they have. But it's definitely, you know, a, um, a members club that is top of mind for a lot of people. Got it. It's so cool to hear that you're going to have the renting mechanism. I know Flyfish Club calls it leasing mechanism. And is there precedence there? Because I, I'm not so familiar with the restaurant industry or bar industry for that. I'm more of a sports fanatic. So I, there are season ticket holders, my friends that own them, and I could buy them on a secondary market. And that's something that is widely utilized. You know, every single day I would pay a premium for that. 
But is there precedence? Uh, I'm not sure if Soho House has ever done it in the Web2 space where uh, in the restaurant world where, you know, people rent out or lease out their, their members only benefits? Um, I, I mean, not that I know of. And particularly like the reason why we decided and we thought it was such a great idea from Flyfish Club to, to implement a le- leasing system and why we went for that thing as well is because we don't want to lose all the how should I say, how can I word this? Like we don't want to lose the potential profits and and revenue that we can get from the tourism that comes to Montreal. So a lot of times, you know, you you can have people that come to Montreal. We we have the, for for example, Formula One every June Mm. that happens in Montreal. That's a huge weekend for any, anyone in the hospitality businesses, like, like restaurants and like popular restaurants and, and bars and clubs can make hundreds of thousands of dollars during this weekend. Mm-hmm. So obviously for us, like we're not, we're not blind to the fact that this is a big driver of a, of business. And we want to, to actually like open up the door for those things to actually happen inside the members club without necessarily diluting the membership itself. Mm. Now, what I like the, the idea of Flyfish is that they said they want, they, they made it rentable for a month and mm-hmm. After thinking about it a few times, it makes a lot of sense because you don't want like such a, a high volume of, uh, of people like rotating inside a members club. So it doesn't even feel like a members club anymore, right? Mm-hmm. Like if I go there and every time I go, I just see different faces. I'm not going to feel like I'm really at home. True. So I like the idea of like making it leasable or, you know, rentable for a month. Yeah, that's super dynamic. That's something I haven't seen. So it's now that you mentioned you know, F1 <laughs> coming o- over to Montreal, there's so many opportunities where, you know, events can happen with you know, with that same intimacy, you know, where um, they can have it, they can rent it for blocks at a time, but it still feels intimate because it's not open to public. You have to be, you know, a holder of sorts and um, that could drive more business for you guys. Right. Tell, tell us, I'm oh, sorry, go ahead. Can I just add up on that? Like, yeah. And also it's the cool thing about NFTs is it's going to be beneficial to both parties, to us as the speakeasy, but also to the members. Let's say you're a holder of that token and you know that during F1, that, you know, there's so much demand that people are just willing to pay mm-hmm. wild prices for it to get in. Well, guess what? You know, you are also benefiting as a holder. So I, I think it's just, you know, it, it just makes sense as a system. And one other thing that we we decided to implement that I don't think uh, Flyfish necessarily did is that we're going to hotel concierges, and we actually pre- uh, we're actually making a special token just for them so that they can rent it to the hotel pe- like people that are staying in the hotel. Mm. Wow, for their maybe top tier uh, consumers where they want privacy, intimacy, exactly. And Let's say somebody yeah. somebody that stays at the Four Seasons or Ritz Carlton mm-hmm. is like, hey, what what's what's the best you know, spots in Montreal I have to, li- to hit. They're going to say, oh, this, there's this bar, there's this speakeasy that's really good. But by the way, there's also like this speakeasy that's an NFT speakeasy. We have the membership and we can rent it out to you. Would you be right. interested? Like, I, I think that makes you feel very exclusive as a, as a person staying in the hotel. Absolutely. Wow. That's super exciting to see how that plays out in the data driven behind that. I'm interested to have that conversation a year from now. When do you plan on, well, besides the opening date, can you tell us about Maya Club, the theme of it? Maya, is it like an Aztec name or yeah, tell us about the, the speakeasy itself. 
Um, so the, you know, I'm one of the founders of the Speakeasy, and obviously I'm the driving force behind it with anything related to marketing and NFTs. But I do have amazing partners that I've gotten to to get to know in the past, uh, I would say seven years, which was one of my first clients. They they actually open a couple of Thai restaurants in Montreal, and um, they're basically partners, Pascal and uh, Pamika. Pamika is the, you know, they're both like husband and wife. Pamika is the chef, so she's uh, she's open. I think four spots now in Montreal where she's the executive chef. Pascal is her husband, but also business partner, so he takes care of everything that's administration and also like you know day to day operations and management a bit. And then I have Ali, which is uh, which has been their their main you know general manager for all the restaurants that is going to be part of the group with us. And the reason why like. I was so keen on having them a part of the team is again, like I said to you, I think if you have a vision, but you don't have the people to execute it, that vision amounts to nothing. And mm-hmm. good, you know, the, the great point about our, the way that we met and the, the way that we fostered a relationship over time is that we have, we, we've already, we've always had the same kind of goal, which was to open, you know, one of Montreal's craziest speakeasies or bars that the, the city would have ever seen. And we, we have a passion for cocktails. So we are aiming to open like a top 50 cocktail bar in the world. Mm. And to do that, obviously, you know, the, the business has to be has to be designed in a way where we make that a priority. It can't come second, right? Like you can't like open a bar just to open it and then like, you know, hope to hire a great bartender that will make mm-hmm. awesome cocktails. No, everything that goes into the design, everything that you 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 know, in, in the building phase, everything has to be done in a way that you are going to reach that goal. Now, how do we do that? Well, we, we actually, we're, we're going to have like our, our bar stations made by the best bar agency in the world. They're, car, they're, they're called Behind Bars mm-hmm. and they've made some of the most iconic bars that you, you can see. And what makes them so special is that they, they make it modular and they make it custom so that your bar is designed to be ergonomically efficient. Because, you know, as a bartender, you can make a shift of, you know, seven, eight hours and every single movement matters, especially mm. over a long period of time. It's the difference between you being comfortable at work or you going home and being like, oh, man, my elbow hurts or like I've mm. made too many steps. I'm 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 tired. Or also the, the idea of like pre-batching your cocktails in a way that makes it the most efficient for you to serve your customers. Now there's like a whole new trend that the co- the best cocktails are not necessarily the cocktails that have like tons of sparkles and glitter on it and, and like garnishes. Mm-hmm. It's about the simplest cocktail, but that just tastes fantastic when you drink it. It looks like it was made in two minutes, mm-hmm. but all the work was actually done prior to that. So we're we're thinking about all that and doing our prep rooms and, and inside the design. But to come back to your question and sorry for the segue, what is Maya? So Maya is a... um. It is Thai inspired. The word Maya comes from uh, Thai phonetic. Maya mm. means illusion, basically. And um, the reason why we wanted to go with that name is we felt like, you know, a lot of times when you when you go out or when you go into different social environments, you often put on, you know, maybe not necessarily, I, I don't see it as a bad thing, but we all put on a mask in some way. We have the mask of like the person that's going to work, the mask of the person that's going out to socialize. And in a way, to me, like a place where a speakeasy that where you enter and you don't know what to expect, we always 
wanted we always like the name maya that alluded to illusion mm. and um that's how basically that's how the name came together and the nfts themselves are masks of uh thai gods because oh, uh, in thai culture like the the um there, there, there's a lot of like these should i say like almost like mythologies or, or like deities that that came uh from from these religions that have these mythical figures that represent power that represent health wealth uh, love in, in in Thai, and uh, we we kind of incorporated that Thai aspect to everything that was the speakeasy itself. Now it is Thai inspired, but you know it, it won't be tacky. Like you, you won't have a uh, you won't have like Thai walls inside the the speakeasy and whatnot. And the, you know it, it's not going to be obvious references. The bar itself is going to look very modern and clean. And uh, I think the NFTs are the only real place that we have that Thai reference, and also. The food, obviously, that's going to be served there. So we're planning on um, on have, having elevated Thai cuisine. So obviously, it's not going to be like a huge portion of pad Thai or or, or like these these very <laughs> filling soups or whatnot. It's going to right. be small finger bites, but done very eloquently. Nice, yeah. People can go on your Instagram and know that it's going to be sleek, modern, and amazing. <laughs> just just from the look of what you've done with your marketing agency. Uh, and the look and feel of it. You already got, you know, my wife, she's Cambodian. We just got married and she, they draw a lot from the Thai uh, a culture, like the God is like me mentioned the God and everything. I just did a wedding ceremony and I had to dress up w- with all of that. So that's something that <laughs> draws really close to me. And uh, she's actually from Massachusetts, which is quite close to Montreal. I did not know that. So we'll definitely have to make a trip up there soon. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Well, I'm going to end things with two questions, this seeing, seeing as how this is an NFT uh, podcast, how did you go about building? Well, you did, definitely didn't build your own blockchain. You know, what what are you built off of? Which network did you select? And how are you? How did you go from you know social media marketing agency all the way to you know, hey, I'm going to build a NFT? You know, was it very easy? Was it hard? Tell us about that. Well, I mean, if you look at it from a short term perspective and you just compared what I knew three years ago to what I know now. Yeah, it might seem hard. You know, mm-hmm. I, I'm not saying it's going to be done in like two days. This is this is things that like over and over again, you just, you experiment and you learn. And I'm a big believer in learning. And that's probably one of the things that got me into entrepreneurship in the first place. But, you know, I think this is one of the best places and should I say spaces to learn about this stuff. Like I, I feel like, on Twitter, every day that you open the app, there's spaces that are happening 24 mm. seven about new things that are happening in the space. What is, uh, you know, education, educational content that is being released. And, uh, the, what I, what I've seen in the space and what I like about it is that everyone kind of starts at a ground level. And what I mean by that is that I don't feel like anyone is out of reach even the people that I thought were, you know, let's say like Gary or, or, mm. um, you know, Tim Ferriss, all of a sudden it's like an equal playing ground and everybody can kind of connect together. Or Kevin if, Rose. I saw if, you interviewed him, right? Um, no, not yet. Not Kevin Ryan, Rose yet. Ryan Carson. It's in, it's in the works. Okay. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I have met him and we've, we've spoken a few times at conferences, but I feel like everything just like, everything becomes more democratized in a way. And uh, I don't think, 
coming back to your question, I don't think like it's that hard to mm-hmm. uh, to to achieve a lot in a short period of time and space. I think a lot of people are impatient though, and they might want to cut corners and like try to launch an, a collection right away and do you know and 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 feel like they're gonna miss out if they don't do it right now. But the good thing about the bear market is that we have time to build, right? right. I felt like to. During during the bull market, like everyone felt like, we, I need to launch my project right now. Yeah. It's going to be too late, and you know. And and now it's it feels like okay, let's take our time, let's build it up in a good way, put the foundation down, and actually like reach out to people one on one. I think that's that's the best advice I can give is actually engage with people, like actually put comments on people's posts and share your thoughts. Reach out to people on DMs. Uh, part, participate in spaces, be on Discord servers, and, and actually talk to people. It's not easy, but uh, it, it definitely like gives a lot of returns. That's awesome. Yeah, it definitely seems like you have a very thoughtful process to this. You've been in a space for so long, and you know, looking to bridge the gap between you know what you've done already. You have experience in the restaurant world with Web three. Definitely seems like you put a lot of thought into it and, and what it's going to be. So I'm super excited to see how that vision unfolds as you, you talk a lot about vision. Last question for you before we wrap things up. You wear so many hats. <laughs> how do you manage it all? Give us a day, a look at your life, just like a sneak peek of how you organize everything. Oh, wait, I'm, I'm, wearing, uh, I'm wearing my Moonbird hat. Okay. <laughs> um, so how do I organize my day now? It is a bit hectic, but I've gotten into a routine. So I, I try to, I mean, uh, it's it's easier to describe the routine. So basically I try to get to bed before 12, wake up somewhere around like 7, 7.30. I do a 20-minute 20, 20 meditation. That means like no devices, nothing uh, about like 30 minutes after I wake up. So I brush my teeth, I do some meditation and afterwards, I go right away. I go outside to get some some sunlight, some fresh air. And then I start my day probably like an hour and a half in. And that's when I have my first coffee, usually. And uh, and then from there, I probably catch up with Discord, Twitter. And then I, I plan and I book my day in terms of um, uh, book podcast sessions. So I'm going to reach out to people that I find are interesting to to have onto the podcast all the meanwhile, obviously, there's other stuff happening with my marketing agency as well. So I have to juggle that in some sense. But um, I'm trying to basically allocate, you know, let's say for NFTs and crypto, I'm allocating about like five to six hours a day. Um, marketing agency, wow. I would say about three to four hours. And that will include calls. And I've, um, I've just gotten better at trying to say no to useless calls. Meaning, you know, if we can do something uh, in a, as, uh, is, it, is that the right word? Like asynchronous way. So like not, in, uh, not synchronized, but like out of sync, but that mm-hmm. somebody sends me something and then I respond to them on my own time. Loom has been incredibly amazing for this. Mm-hmm. People that don't know about this app, uh, it's basically an app that allows you to record your screen and, and share comments about a certain thing. So so uh, for us at the marketing agency, if if we're working on a website design or we're we're working on a maquette for for a concept, it's just super useful to like record our screen, walk through a PDF, do a presentation, put our comments, and then the other person can like review it and put comments on on timestamps. So uh, you know, just finding tools that way to to make it so that we don't always have to catch up in real time. Yeah. Wow. It seems like you have a 
you, you have a thoughtful process to your day. You spend a lot of time in the crypto and the Web3 space, and uh, uh, it seems like it's working for you. So that's really good. You have a really calm demeanor about you. I listen to your podcast, and you have really entertaining guests on as well. So I'm can super excited. You, yes. Can I ask you how, how you manage it? Because you've been in the space for a while too. And how do you do, um, should I say, like, how do you not get overwhelmed with all this stuff that's happening? Uh, the, the, I think the short answer is I'm still overwhelmed <laughs> and we're learning as we go because there's so many movements with, you know, well, number one, crypto, and then NFTs is, you know, in, at the verge and in the front end of that. So it's moving lightning speeds and there's so much to discuss, so much to talk about. And I, I'm excited about that because I haven't been excited about those things in my back then when I was working at a traditional web two job um, for a long time. So I just try to do as much as I can and not get burnt out, which is which is tough, which was tougher in 2021. <laughs> a lot easier now that, like as you mentioned, we're in a bear market because a lot of the speculation is gone, and the true builders, the true even collectors and adopters, are here to stay. So we're having more uh, in-depth conversations about how we would like to change, you know, the world, this technology, and it's. And it's happening. Listening to your podcast and listening to, and speaking with founders and projects, uh, it, it's all exciting to see how we're taking slow, methodical steps. So it's actually slowed down a bit now, uh, although it is still, you know, a, a lot to take in. And really, I organize my time um, just creating and documenting it, um, the space. So uh, YouTube is my biggest platform. So most majority of my time personally is around YouTube. So where you spend six to seven hours on crypto and, and Web3 and NFTs, I spend on YouTube. And then, you know, the rest now we're looking to launch, you know, which well, we have launched our, our podcast and really just doing our best job to document the space out there. So uh, I may have an easier job than you, I think is the answer. I'm not opening up an NFT restaurant. <laughs> I'm not well, running I mean, a social. I don't think so because, <laughs> because YouTube, YouTube is quite a grind. So I really respect it. Yes. Yeah. So I, we're doing the best that we can. I'm excited to build out, you know, as much education we can for adopters, project founders to really connect them because this is the space to do it. We want to make sure that um, this space is progress. It will progress. We already know that. We already know that it's going to be in every facet of our life. Um, but just giving the average person the opportunity to do so is where I, I want to shine because that's what I am. I, you know, I'm not that crazy in any way. I'm not a uh, Silicon Valley <laughs> um, hedge fund investor, and I really believe in Web 3s ethos, which is you know, Web One was read only, Web Two is read and write, and Web Three is read, write, and own, right? And for and we mentioned this quite a few times, not only for project founders, but it can be beneficial, uh, incentivized for you know, consumers on the opposite side for the first time in history where we have, you know, sort of a voice in not just as a participant, but we can have the upside of the asset itself. And that's really what I believe people listening to, to this podcast and to your podcast should really endeavor to do, which is to tap into your creative side, go out there and start an NFT or maybe even artwork, right? And find some way to tie it in to the technology, because that's really going to break the traditional modes of what we've seen in web two, where, you know, YouTube owns everything or Apple podcasts owns everything. And, you know, we can go, we can talk forever, right, Martin, of uh, how things would change in the future of micropayments. And just, I'm excited to see how this will all unfold. So I'm doing my best to stay abreast and uh, I'm trading water is the answer to the question. <laughs> I but think I, we're all trading. Yeah. I'd love to add like one point on top of this, if I may, 
Yes. Um, which is that, you know, to your question earlier, like how do you, you know, how do you keep up with stuff and how do you deal with everything that's happening and how do you wear, wear so many hats? I think the answer is just time, right? Like, again, the, the patience in the space needs to be talked about more. And honestly, mm. also like the time it takes to build an audience. Now you mentioned at the beginning that, yeah, I, I have founded like, you know, one of the the Instagram pages that I have is influencer agency that we grew to 300,000 followers and more. And that was probably a three and a half year grind, right? Posting every day for like four times a day. So it takes time to build community. And I think in the space, people will start to realize that you don't need to have a hundred thousand followers anymore. You don't need to have a million followers anymore. Let's have a thousand followers that really believe in you and are re ready to pay for what you're building and actually like uh, invest in what you're doing because they really like they see your vision and they align with it. And I think that was like one of the things that made me like really um, fall in love with NFTs and wanting to implement that in, inside our, our new project, the Maya Speakeasy, Maya Members Club, which is that, you know, I don't need a community of 30,000 people. Mm -hmm. I need a community of 2000 people that really love that place and are going to talk about it and are going to be real advocates because if 2000 people talked each person like talks to five person or 10 people and one of those people come back to the club and the same process happens over and over again, you get to build something huge. And uh, mm -hmm. it comes back to what Kevin Kelly was saying about your thousand true fans, which uh, now more than ever holds true. Yeah, absolutely. I, I heard that in your last podcast where with uh, Michael um, Stelzner. Does, yeah, Michael Stelzner, he said, you know, a lot of it's just vanity marketing, right? It doesn't translate to dollars where yeah. Web3, uh, maybe we can more intimately, you know, hone in on those thousand loyal fans and just really have benefits for both sides for us as, you know, whether it be business owners and on the opposite side of the audience members and consumers. So absolutely. I would love to see that flip happen uh, versus what we have today, which I believe is um, we're, we're being driven by the wrong metrics, right? Uh, so <laughs> I would like to see that change that, that narrative change a little bit instead of, you know, just going for likes. And I think what Instagram and Facebook, they did away with like likes or dislikes or whatnot. Like it's, it's, it's very interesting web two, and mm -hmm. hopefully we could fix a lot of those issues in, in web three. Yeah. hundred percent. Cool. Well, Martin, I'm so excited for your restaurant launch and I'm sorry, restaurant, your, your speakeasy launch is, has it minted already or is there a date to be announced for that? So, so now, now the pre-sale is happening. So we're reaching out to friends and family uh, okay. that are local in Montreal and then also like in the NFT web three space, but then uh, the public launch will happen uh, early, early January. So we'll send out the pre-mints and, you know, reaching out to communities late December so we're expecting an allow list launch, um, you know, early January. So first week or second week of January. Right now, it's really just a pre-sale to uh, to allow the friends and families and and people that are close to us to to get in first. The people that have supported us through through, through like the years to to have an uh, a way in before everyone else. Awesome. I'll put the links down below on the show notes. Anyone in Montreal and Canada that have interest in NFTs and the speakeasy, definitely check out Martin's and also his marketing agency. Appreciate your time, Martin. We must catch up again after, you know, you roll out your, your speakeasy and get you back on to talk all things NFTs. 
Yes, sir. Well, thank you so much for having me on the show. This was really a blast. Thank you, Martin. 